What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday. Far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the Week 11 edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me this week, once again, are my friends Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Matt, how's it going, bud? It's going a lot better to the end of that Packers game, Dan. What a disappointment. Yeah, that was rough. It was rough. We gave up the first round by probably in the NFC. I know there's a lot of season left, but that's what it feels like right now is that that fumble the, I mean they should have won it in, in regulation right uh but the fumble in, right. in overtime I think that's the play we're going to look back on is if, if we lose in the first round of the playoffs I feel like that's the play we're going to look back on yeah it was a it was a messy second half for that Packers offense only running six plays in the first like 20 minutes of the second half it was it was rough no doubt uh we'll get to that game though there is some fantasy and dynasty ramifications from it no doubt Ryan McDowell, how are you doing? Well, I'm not a Packer fan, so I'm doing much better than you two. <laughs> uh, but no, it was it was a great day of football, but from a fantasy perspective, a pretty low-scoring day. There's going to be probably some weird matchups as we get closer to the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, and we'll see how Sunday night and Monday night football play out. That could tilt a lot of these fantasy matchups that are still to be determined, but and big games from some of the big studs in those games could change the weekend, no doubt. But it does feel like, looking across my leagues, Ryan, that the scoring's down a little bit. There weren't quite as many huge blow-up games from the guys we expected those big games from. Maybe defenses are catching up to these offenses just a little bit in this weird NFL season, this weird 2020. And we we shouldn't have gotten used to all these 200-point scores uh, in fantasy matchups, those kind of kind of outputs when we typically get the 150s, we're back down to where we were last year and the year before with these fantasy scoring. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it continues to be tough to predict, which is what we love about fantasy football. Yeah, so let's let's Ryan sit here for the next 45 <laughs> minutes or an hour and try to predict what's going to happen moving forward. We're going to talk about the most important thing in week 11 from all of these matchups as we always do. We like to start with the Thursday night game. That was billed as this uh shootout. Big scoring, 60 plus points is going to be scored in this game and it just kind of like the rest of the weekend disappointed. Seahawks 28, Cardinals 21, Russell Wilson only 197 passing yards, guys, two touchdowns, 42 rushing yards. So he didn't kill anybody as far as fantasy goes, but not exactly the output we were expecting against that Cardinals defense. And then Carlos Hyde, he was probably the surprise of Thursday night. 14 carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Also caught two passes, but Chris Carson is expected back next week. I think, if anything, from from a, the Seattle point of view, guys, it felt to me like Hyde having that nice game is a sign of things to come as of what could happen with Chris Carson, especially Ryan, uh, considering how Russ has, has kind of struggled over the last month or so. Yeah, he really has. He certainly, uh, Russell Wilson has certainly slowed down. Uh, I mean, all we heard the first six or eight weeks of the season was the let Russ cook narrative and, and they were, uh, they were relying on him and that passing game rather than the running game. And, uh, and then we saw the injury to Carson, which I really think has a lot to do with the way they're playing lately. But this this Russell Wilson uh, slowdown reminded me a little bit of what we saw last year. I had to go back and pull up the numbers. The first eight games in 2019, he was the quarterback two, averaging 26.2 fantasy points per game. 
the second half of the season, the next eight games, quarterback 15 and his scoring average dropped uh, by over five fantasy points per game. Uh, it's a much smaller sample size so far this year, but uh, it, it's starting to look uh, the same way. Quarterback two, the first eight games of the year, averaging almost 33 fantasy points per game. Uh, he's not going to keep up that unreal number, but it's gone from 33 a game to 19 fantasy points per game over the past two weeks. I'm hoping the return of Chris Carson likely next week uh, changes that and, and really does have an impact on Wilson. Yeah, I think a lot of the Wilson managers are hoping that's exactly what happens. But, you know, when you look at it from a football standpoint, Ryan, it's, you know, that coaching staff, Pete Carroll, he likes to run the ball as the season wears on and getting Chris Carson back might point to them continuing to do that, rocking that running game, handing that ball off to Chris Carson and get things going on the ground so they can establish that part of the game while while Wilson plays a little bit more play action and does what he always does with his feet, but he might not be in the kitchen quite as much as he was in the first half of the season, and I think we should all anticipate that. Just, Just adjust the expectations a little bit. His receivers in this game, Tyler Lockett, 9 for 67, DK Metcalf, three for 46, and both of them caught touchdowns. So while they both came through for us, man, we were expecting a big breakout from at least one of them, and it didn't quite happen. Matt, on the other side of things, the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, he same story really as Russell Wilson, 269 and two, uh, just 15 rushing yards, so didn't help out, pad up the stats all that much there. But it's the running game that we want to talk about in Arizona. Yeah, these two backs, uh, I don't know how you guys feel about them, but I was feeling that they're they're pretty close in value if they're not you know exactly equal or 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 even Edmonds being a little bit ahead. I actually kind of prefer Edmonds uh, uh, right now based on his use in the passing game. I know Kenyon Drake did have uh, four catches today, um, but last week in his hundred yard games uh, didn't really do much in the passing game, and and Edmonds is still there. Edmonds is two two uh, years younger than Kenyon Drake as well. And just just out of curiosity, I went to look at the trade analyzer, not the trade finder, to see what uh, it brought up in terms of their trade value. And Kenyon Drake comes in at a 161 valuation in a 12-team PPR league, and Chase Edmonds comes in at a 161.4. So (laughs) uh, just a a little bit ahead somehow. Uh, I mean, ADP-wise, Drake is still ahead. Rankings-wise, Drake is still ahead. So the calculator must be pulling in some age and some trades uh, um, to to figure out that that calculation. So I did go go back into the finder as well. Uh, Drake, uh, you know, I think may- maybe, uh, probably not. I'm probably wishing too much here, but I feel like if you can somehow get a first after two pretty good games in a row, go ahead and do that, even if you're a contender. Uh, and and maybe buy for a second just based on volume. Uh, I'm not sure how I, how, how I necessarily feel that, because I feel like you could also get um, Chase Edmonds for a second right now. So if, if the choice is between those for your second, I would probably rather spend that on Edmonds. Uh, so just interesting, I think, between these two backs that I think are pretty much equal value despite Drake having a little bit more volume uh, in terms of the, the rushing the rushing game. Drake on Thursday night, 11 carries, 29 yards, and had the rushing touchdown, but also sprinkled in four catches in the receiving game for 31 yards, while Edmonds, 49 total scrimmage yards, and had the receiving touchdown. Talking about these two guys and listening to you talk about them, Matt, it, you know, really, I feel like if I had Drake, I would trade him straight up for Chase Edmonds. I'm wondering what you guys think. Yeah, I would. I would as well. Yeah, I'd rather have Edmonds and Matt, you might be crazy if you think you can get a first rounder for Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but you know, shoot for the moon, right? It, it's a snap accept for sure if you see that offer in the inbox. Uh, last note from this game DeAndre Hopkins, five catches, 51 yards. No Hale Murray's this mm. week, but we'll keep putting him in our lineups moving forward. Tennessee Titans, they beat the Ravens in what some expected to be a Ravens win, 30 to 24. Derrick Henry. Uh, it's getting cold out. So Henry's doing his thing. 28 carries 133 yards and a game winning touchdown. It was a walk off and it was nice. 
Uh, other notes for Tennessee, Corey Davis, five for 113. A.J. Brown, four for 62 and one. We're going to have to talk about A.J. Brown at some point. I don't know if today is the day for that, but it seemed like he dropped a few more passes, had a couple of mental mistakes in that game. I don't, I don't know what's up with him, if there's an injury, but it seems like it's, it's not all coming together for A.J. Brown right now. He should have had a bigger game once again for the second straight week. Hopefully it's just a fluke and he comes around. But it was it was odd watching that happen for for the second straight week. Uh, the other side of the ball, though, lots of problems in Baltimore, guys. There's probably one shining star, though, Ryan, at least out of Sunday game Sunday's game, and that was J.K. Dobbins in his role. Yeah, we talked a lot last week about the DeAndre Swift breakout game, and he had finally taken control of that backfield. Uh, I know in my leagues and, and just conversations on Twitter, we saw his value spike quite a bit after that game, and. Uh, I think this week it's J.K. Dobbins' turn. Uh, he, he Dobbins really controlled that backfield, led the team 15 carries for 70 yards, had a touchdown, uh, also caught a couple passes for 15 yards. But to me, most importantly, he played 41 snaps uh, compared to 13 snaps for uh, for Gus Edwards and six for only six for Mark Ingram. Uh, Ingram actually was out snapped. Obviously, by both Edwards and Dobbins, but even by Justice Hill. So the end might be near for uh, for Mark Ingram, but it's it's just uh, things are just beginning for J.K. Dobbins. It was so weird that Ingram got just the two carries and Edwards just the three. Nice to see Dobbins get those looks because, uh, as we've all seen, he's looked like the most dynamic running back in that backfield. The other points from the Baltimore perspective, Lamar Jackson, 186 in a touchdown, also threw a pick, added 51 rushing yards to help out a little bit, but we're kind of getting used to Lamar Jackson right around 15, 18, 20 fantasy points and not those big burst-up games that carry a fantasy uh, team to a win in a week. Mark Andrews, five catches, 96 in a touchdown. But right, or excuse me, Matt, it was Marquise Brown, zero catches, three targets, at least one drop that I saw, and it was a bad one. He was complaining a couple of weeks ago, you got to throw me the darn ball. He's getting some targets here and there, and he's dropped a few in the last few weeks. It's not going well for Marquise Brown. What about his long-term value? Yeah, it's really it really looks bad, especially the last couple of weeks and after he complained about his usage. Uh, I was looking at some peripheral numbers today just to see if uh, you know the production is is really that much of a surprise. And, and the numbers to me tell that it's it's the touchdowns and those deep balls that he was catching last year that he's not catching this year. That's really the difference between uh, his numbers between his rookie season and in 2020. Uh, his his average depth of target is up from 11.0 yards to 14.8. His yards per reception is up just slightly from 12.7 to 13.5. And his targets are actually up almost a full target from game, a game from five, from about five to just under six. Uh, and then, but his TD regression has uh, his TD rate has regressed from 15.2% to 6.25%. So uh, not, a, not not really a surprise based on that. Um, he is, like I said, getting targeted deep, so he's being used not used as, as much underneath as he was last season. Uh, they, they do have a good upcoming schedule, though. Pittsburgh coming up next, which obviously is a little bit of a scary defense from a pass rush standpoint, but they are allowing the fourth most schedule just in points to the wide receiver position following that. Uh, that that game they have the Cowboys who are the third best uh, against against wide excuse me allowing the third most points to wide receivers and then the fantasy playoffs you know you have the Browns the Jaguars and the Giants all bottom half of the league so you know the the the, the peripheral numbers are there the the matchups are there coming up but uh, the usage so much is, is not there yet right so I, I don't know I, I think if you could buy him for a second round pick right now I think that's a investment I'd be willing to make I still think he's a talented player I still think Lamar, Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback just maybe he needs to uh, uh, <laughs> that regression was expected right from from last year to this year so maybe that turns around a little bit once we enter his uh, the next season in 2021 so I'm still interested uh, but but about that second round value I'm not going to buy for a first at this point a lot of those problems with Hollywood Brown seem to go back to the quarterback and how Lamar Jackson is having trouble pushing the ball down the field and being as accurate as he may have been last year. There were a lot of adjustments made on how defenses started defending Lamar Jackson and, and his downfield passing attack, and it seems like Jackson and that Baltimore coaching staff needs to make an adjustment of their own. Hopefully they do, and Hollywood gets those opportunities down the field once again. It might take a complete offseason for this all to come together and for this to happen for this Ravens offense, but I, I like your advice there. Brown is a nice target 
for for those still waiting for a trade deadline or in leagues without a trade deadline because the the grass is probably greener on the other side with Marquise Brown. The Lions got boat raced on Sunday by the Panthers, led by P.J. Walker, 20 to nothing. Walker, 258 yards and a touchdown. Two end zone interceptions, which were both bad throws, really. D.J. Moore had his one of his best games of the year, 7 for 127. Curtis Samuel was good, 8 for 70 and a touchdown. Ryan, Samuel continues to get more opportunities in this offense, has looked good with those opportunities. What are your thoughts on him moving forward? Yeah, he's definitely definitely has been impressive. Over the past month, he's the wide receiver seven, uh, and that's even with a total clunker last week. I think uh, I think he's had less than one fantasy point last week. Uh, but still, even with that on his resume, still the wide receiver seven and averaging over 15 fantasy points per game, that leads – uh, that leads the team, uh, which is pretty impressive with, with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson there. Uh, of course, we know how dynasty players feel about Moore in general, and Robbie Anderson got off to that, uh, that hot start to really boost his value. Samuel feels like the, the underrated, the undervalued guy, and we can maybe take advantage of that. It feels like he's the guy that's slowly creeping up as the most reliable, even with that bummer last week, the most reliable guy in that offense as well, talking about Moore and Andy Anderson. I I might rather play Samuel week in and week out if I had all three of them on my roster. And part of that is because they're really creative with Curtis Samuel. They're finding creative ways to get him the ball. He caught the eight passes for 70, only had one carry out of the backfield. In week 11, that only went for four yards, but they've been using him in that way, and he caught passes out of the backfield. I really like how they use him. This coaching staff knows what they what they have in Curtis Samuel, something that maybe the previous coach coaching staff really didn't, and uh, he's, he's coming through for fantasy managers week in and week out, again, with the exception of last week. Mike Davis came back, uh, came back strong in week 11 as well, 19 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown, also caught two passes for his dynasty managers on the other side of things the lions man it was messy stafford did not look good 178 yards didn't turn the ball over but or at least didn't throw any interceptions he did not look locked in at any point in that game tj hawkinson really was the bright spot and wasn't awfully bright uh four catches for 68 yards Matt, you've been thinking a lot about kenny galladay and his value as we move forward uh what are your thoughts on kenny g I don't know. I, I, I could go both ways on this one. I want to see how you guys feel actually about Kenny Galladay. You know, we've, we know he's had kind of an injury plague season. He has been productive in, in most of the games he's been involved with. Um, so I kind of want to buy him. Just I, I feel like this is going to be a low point for his value. It might not be the bottom if the Lions keep playing this way, but they did look pretty good last year when Swift was in there. So when he comes back from COVID, maybe we'll get back to that. Uh, but in, in the trade finder, some interesting deals again, uh, on the higher end, Julio Jones straight up for Galladay. Like if you're, uh, you know, if you've, you're missing the playoffs, if you're, you're, you maybe you're one of those fringe playoff teams, uh, that are just maybe on just on the outside looking in or, or worse, like swapping Julio for Galladay is a great way to buy back some years. I think, uh, Galladay uh, selling Keenan Allen, similar situation to Julio, obviously a little bit younger, but selling Keenan Allen gets you Galladay and a second round pick. So again, if you're, if you're not contending, maybe you want to take that age discount and pick up an extra pick and then on the ridiculous and uh, a late first round pick I, I don't know if a late first buys him at this point maybe maybe it does I think it's probably gonna have to creep up to the, the mid, uh, to a mid first round pick if, if it's not a super flex league uh, and then uh, this one is interesting uh, may, maybe not actually but uh, LaVisca Chenault straight up for Kenny Galladay I don't I don't know cool. what's going on with that one I, I like LaVisca but I'm not sure he's shown enough to to warrant that kind of return yet but what do you guys think about those more reasonable deals would you be swip, willing to swap Julio or, or Keenan Allen for Galladay in a second i'm i'm just down on galladay in general um we don't know his situation for next year i think there's a very good chance he's playing for a new team uh, given given the history there and and just the typical lions offense maybe that's not a bad thing but we're always a little uh a little leery when wide receivers are changing teams he's older than than most people think uh 27 already uh even just with uh a few years in the league. So I'm probably not willing to pay the market value for Galladay. And considering some of those 
uh, specific deals that you talked about there. We talk a lot about buying back years and you mentioned Julio Jones and we'll get to him as the show goes on a little bit and how he did on Sunday, but specifically with a deal like that, uh, buying back years is always nice, but once you're into the thirties with these guys, even a guy like Julio Jones, uh, buying back the four years, we're running out of time to do something like that. And getting even a 27 year old guy like Galladay with the upside might be the best type of deal you can do. A lot of them that you mentioned there are fair, um, can go either way depending on how how your roster is looking and things like that. I, you know, I I don't I'm kind of with Ryan. I'm I'm not I'm sour. I, I don't feel great about Galladay and his long term upside. And a lot of that ha- might have to do simply with Detroit and that offense. Let's move on to the Browns and the Eagles. The Browns got by Philadelphia 22-17. to Highlights for Cleveland included Nick Chubb, 20 carries, 114 yards, but didn't catch a pass once again. Kareem Hunt, the pass catcher in that backfield, only caught one pass for 10 yards, but had 13 carries, just 11 yards. A nice hurdle for a touchdown, though, to save his day fantasy-wise. It feels like every week, Ryan, we can talk about this Eagles offense and some something that's letting us down. There's a few of them with with this Eagles offense that were a letdown on Sunday in the weather against Cleveland. Yeah, there certainly are, uh, and and it starts with Carson Wentz. And uh, I feel like there have been there have been a lot of excuses for Carson Wentz. And, and, and yeah, I've been I've been one of the guys making sure them sure from time to time. Yeah, I have I have too, and, and they've been I think they've been reasonable in general with so many injuries, uh, both to the skill players surrounding him and to the offensive line as well. And uh, I mean that's that's significant. We can't uh, we can't just ignore that uh, and. But those those guys are all getting healthy now. Uh, Jalen Rager's back, and Dallas Goddard is back. A couple of the uh, the key offensive linemen have been back for a couple of weeks now, and and Wentz is still struggling. He's he's putting up decent fantasy numbers, um, thanks to some some garbage time, and uh, he he's been able to run the ball a little bit in in a couple of games. But just to actually watch him on the field, you know that he's not performing. Uh, his his real NFL performance is not matching that fantasy production that he's giving us. He leads the league in both interceptions and fumbles. I don't, I'm not sure I've ever seen that. That's uh, a, a pretty crazy thing to consider. Well, Daniel Jones was off this week. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it, it's just, it's frustrating for Wentz because you're, most people are counting on him as, as a fantasy starter. And uh, like we talked about with Lamar Jackson, obviously that has ramifications on, uh, on the rest of the offense as well. And lately, uh, the past two weeks at least, it's been Travis Fulgham who has, uh, who has really felt that he he did have seven targets today, which led the team, but he only caught one of them for eight yards. So, yeah, it's it's just going to be probably a continued uh, struggle with that Eagles offense. Yeah, it really seems like they they've gotten some of these weapons back. Miles Sanders has been back now for a couple of weeks. Sixteen carries, sixty six yards. Also caught three balls. Uh, Dallas Goddard is back. Five catches for seventy seven and a score. He's one of the highest scoring tight ends in week 11, but you mentioned Fulgham, how he was disappointing. The other receivers there, nobody really burst onto the scene and took, took charge and consistently got open for Wentz. Like I said, I've been one of the guys making excuses for Wentz and I'm getting kind of sick of it. 235 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, but he threw another one that got overturned. He threw another one that should have been picked and was dropped, threw it right to the defender. It's just, it's been ugly for Carson Wentz. Eagles fans are getting sick of it. I think dynasty fans, dynasty managers are catching up to it as well. It's hard to click check that box next to Carson Wentz's name because he can be so disappointing. Uh, and and then at the same time, sometimes be be so brilliant. And and sometimes it goes play by play with with Carson Wentz. We'll see what happens as the season progresses. But it's it's just the arrow doesn't seem like it's pointing up for Carson Wentz in that offense. 
Uh, last note from this game, Ryan, Cadrell Hodge caught three for 73, uh, led the team with five targets, talking about the Browns wide receiver. He could be a potential add this week. Yeah, I think so. We we hadn't seen much from him uh, this season. He entered the day with, with just three receptions on the season and, and none since week two. Uh, but he is taking advantage of some additional playing time with with the injuries there, uh, and and like you said, caught um, caught three balls for seventy three yards to lead the way. A guy that's almost certainly on the waiver wire. And even though he uh, didn't have any any stats in the box score the past couple weeks, uh, he had been playing more and more. So this, uh, if if you check out those snap counts and things like that, uh, you can kind of see this coming. I could be mistaken as well, but I think last week was the week that he, he caught the long pass yeah. that got pulled back from review or maybe stepped out of bounds as he was catching it or something like that. So they have been, like you said, trying to trying to infuse him into that offense. The Texans, they beat the Patriots on Sunday 27-20 behind Deshaun Watson, 344 yards and two scores through the air. Also ran six times for 36 yards and had a rushing touchdown. Matt, Brandon Cooks led the way, uh, or at least came close to leading the way, I guess, for the Texans. He and Will Fuller, five catches, 83 yards for Cooks, six catches, 80 yards for Fuller. What are your thoughts on Cooks moving forward? Yeah, Cooks is, is, has really become, on the teams where I have him, almost an auto start at this point. Uh, he's averaging 7.3 targets per game this season, at least five targets in all but one game. Over the last six games, he's been averaging 15.5 points per game. And he hasn't been just a deep threat, uh, which is you know kind of what his, he's been pigeonholed uh, throughout his career. Uh, last week, we have to remember in that terrible Cleveland game, he had eight targets, a lot of those short. So he's really becoming a complete receiver and almost, almost I, I would say, a more reliable receiver than Will Fuller. Maybe not the exact same upside that Will Fuller has when he does, uh, you know, score score high, but um, he seems to be reliable for me, especially as like a wide receiver three type with some nice upside. So I'd like to go try to buy him at this point. Uh, I think that he's still going to be in, in in Houston for a while. Uh, you know, maybe they add another receiver. They probably do, but he seems to have cemented himself there. So a lot of reasonable deals. Uh, late second and two thirds, uh, mid second. I bought him for a second uh, earlier this this week. Mike Williams in a third, Latavius Murray in a third. So despite his production, especially over the last six weeks or so, he's still very reasonably priced. Uh, rankings wise, he hasn't really ca- caught up to his value, and I don't think ADP wise has really caught up to his value yet. I think I think he's in the 40s the last time I looked uh, from November ADP. So uh, he seems like a, a scream and buy for me right now. Uh, Will Fuller, you could probably say the same. I mentioned his stat line, six catches for 80, but he's going to be a little bit more expensive, as you noticed uh, noted there, Matt. Uh, Cooks certainly did look good once again this week. Hey, everybody out there, raise your hand if you expected Cam Newton to three for three, th- throw for 365 yards. That's probably not good advice to those driving, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure nobody raised their hand right there, Ryan. Uh, 365 yards, one touchdown also. Uh, but just six rushing yards, really disappointing for Cam Nat- Newton on the ground. Uh, man, I can't get over that line. 365 yards, it, he rarely gets over 200, it seems. Demir Bird was the star on the outside, six catches, 132 and a touchdown. He might be on some waiver wires, I guess, this week. But it was the injury to Rex Burkhead that might create an opportunity for dynasty managers out there, Ryan. Yeah, I think so. Burkhead went down with an, a knee injury. Looks like a torn ACL, so... Unfortunately, his season is is probably over, and and Burkhead is uh, even though we had seen Damian Harris coming on in recent weeks, Burkhead's a guy who had been uh, a top twelve scorer over the past two to three games. Uh, so I think this is a, a big opportunity for James White, who's uh, really been a bust and, and a disappointment. He had seen Burkhead overtake him in the on the depth chart, uh, but today, following that injury. Uh, James White tied a season high with nine targets, tied a season high with five carries, and with with Burkhead out of the lineup, he would certainly get that pass catching uh, role back out of the backfield. Uh, I, I think he, I think you could certainly buy him for uh, f- for a low price, and uh, in shallow leagues, he might even have been dropped, might even be on the waiver wire. 
Yeah, hopefully he gets a role. He's kind of disappeared from that offense now that Tom Brady has moved on from New England. We'll see how it plays out, but I like the advice. White could have an expanded role moving forward, so could create some dynasty value as the season progresses. Let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who steamrolled the Jaguars 27-3. Deontay Johnson... He was brilliant, 12 catches for 111 yards, almost scored a couple of times, but didn't quite get into the end zone. Roethlisberger threw two two touchdowns, one to Claypool, one to Ebron. James Conner was good on the ground, 13 for 89, also caught three three passes for 10 yards, but Benny Snell, once again, got the goal line carries. That was maddening. I'd like to talk quickly about Deontay Johnson and his wide receiver one upside. He's already, it seems, Ryan, that that he's kind of – becoming that wide receiver one, not only for the Steelers, but potentially also for dynasty managers out there. Lots of big games, lots of big plays. And we all, we've talked a lot about Juju potentially moving on this year. Deontay Johnson is just touching the tip of the iceberg right now. He could be real good. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's been a lot of talk all season from, from us and, and really uh, everyone out there comparing Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and Juju, and, and trying to rank those or figure out um, who is, is the player to target. And I think, in general, we want all three of them. They're, they've, all been, um, they've all been productive uh, all season for the most part. Um, we've, we've seen some down stretches. Uh, of course, Deontay Johnson dealt with the injuries early on. But when he's been healthy uh, and, and been able to actually play a full game, I don't think there's any question that he is the top target for Roethlisberger and looking at our, our dynasty rankings, he's third on that list behind Juju and, and Claypool. And and at the very least they should be uh, bunched closely together. Yeah. He time might be running out to go get Deontay Johnson on your team because we're a couple, maybe only one big game or maybe even one big play away from all Deontay owners realizing exactly what they have. It might even be worth overpaying slightly to get Deontay Johnson now before that price really goes up. Ryan, Eric Ebron caught four of seven targets for 36 yards and a score. What are you doing with Ebron moving forward? I'm buying Ebron. It's it's a pretty easy decision. I actually uh, traded for him in a league uh, right before the game started uh, this week and needed a tight end. He's been a tight end one uh, all season. In fact, over the past month, he's the tight end two overall, only behind Travis Kelsey. And, and for the record, he's way behind Travis Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> but, but he is the tight end two uh, over that, the past four games. And uh, for whatever reason, Ebron just became one of those players that the dynasty managers just love, love to hate. And because of that, his value has always been depressed. It's all, it's never really aligned uh, with his production, especially the, the past two or three seasons when he has had uh, some, some big games and some productive seasons overall. So I think he's a pretty easy buy. I couldn't agree more, Ebron. It, well, his, his scoring will be up and down because really he's the fourth and maybe even the fifth target in that offense at times. Uh, we talked about Juju moving on. We've talked about how, how Ben likes to spread the ball out and get it to all of his weapons. Ebron mixes into that and is a big target in the red zone. So while he is a little bit touchdown dependent, it seems like all tight ends outside of those top couple of guys, and depending on what uh, what platform you play on, also Taysom Hill this week, uh, he's one of the only tight ends that you can count on week in and week out. Hey guys, Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Open a new account with a minimum of a $10 deposit to Monkey Knife Fight, and you're going to receive a free DLF.com annual premium membership. That's dynastyleaguefootball.com. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by a year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match that initial deposit, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of 50 bucks. So put your $50 in, it'll turn into 100 and then you can play all these football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, all those games, and so much more. They'll, there's plenty of entertaining contest options, even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games that don't have the salary cap. So if you can correctly predict the outcome, 
you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At Monkey Knife Fight, you will not get algorithm by the top 1% who dominate those other fantasy sites. Be like me. Go check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience. I love it over there. You're going to claim that deposit match, and you're going to win money. And on top of it, you'll get a free DLF premium membership only at monkeyknifefight.com. Excuse me. The Saints, they scored 24 points, and they got past the Falcons, who only scored nine. On Sunday, Taysom Hill, who was a tight end for some, uh, 233 passing yards, didn't score didn't throw a touchdown but he also ran 10 times for 51 yards and two rushing touchdowns matt we gotta talk about Taysom hill and and what he's worth moving forward because it seems like this is an opportunity to showcase what he can do as a starting quarterback and at least through one game he looked pretty good what does that do for his dynasty value yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure that I know, so I wanted to kind of kick it around with you guys. Uh, uh, you know, this with with Breeze being out at least two more games, it seems like they're not going to go to Jameis. I remember there was an anecdote earlier uh, earlier in the season where a reporter asked asked Peyton if if uh, you know if, if Drew, Drew Breeze does go down, if he does get hurt, what's what's he going to do? And, and they made it seem like if it was if it happened in the middle of the game, of course they'd go to Jameis because that's the the game plan, right? They're they're big, he's he's more of a similar quarterback to Breeze. I think you could argue. Uh, Whereas if they have a week to prepare, then it's going to be Taysom Hill. So I wasn't that surprised about him coming in and being the starter this season, despite, you know, we really thinking that it was going to be Jameis just because he came in. Um, so in a super flex format, if he shows off again in, in, in two more games, uh, you know, I, I mean, you have to assume that Breeze gets the starting job back this year, right? But if we're going to assume Breeze, this is Breeze's final year uh, and, and and we've seen what Hill can do, and you kind of have to connect the dots a little bit, I think, and, and say that Hill is probably going to be the starter since he's under contract for the Saints next year. And if that's the way we're going to look at his value, then what are we willing to pay? pay? Are we up to a late first yet? I don't I, I don't know if I can get there. Uh, too late, two seconds, though, I think that's a price I would pay. How do you guys feel about that in, in a super flex format? I think the price is going to vary week in and week out. I wouldn't pay that just yet, but but it could it could skyrocket over these next yeah. couple of weeks. He's like a like a poor man's Lamar Jackson. In fact, if Lamar had thrown for two thirty three and ran <laughs> for fifty one and two scores, Jackson owners would be thrilled right now, right? Yeah. So uh, he's 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 in that mold a little bit. It, Announcers always talk about, and there's always reports that Sean Payton sees Taysom Hill as that Steve Young type, that guy that can can move around and deliver the ball. But but because of his legs and because he can uh, get on the perimeter and either run or pass, he's he's a deadly weapon. And while we've seen that with so many other uh, quarterbacks, and a lot of them we worry about him getting hurt, I think Hill has proven with the hits he's taken and the special teams that he's played that he's going to be able to take those licks and just stay out there. So if he continues to put up stat lines like he did against the Falcons, who let's not kid ourselves, they're one of the worst defenses in the league, and they are the worst defense as far as giving up passing uh, or fantasy points to passers, to quarterbacks. Um, he, he's going to move up draft boards going into next year. He's going he's gonna to be a very valuable, you mentioned Superflex, there's the potential that Hill, and I don't value him here yet, Hill could be a starting quarterback in single quarterback leagues in 2021. And, and I don't think everybody has gotten on board with that possibility just yet. Yeah, Dan, you mentioned the the stat line there, and 233, 51 rushing, and, and two touchdowns. And if you watch that game, it actually felt like the numbers could have been a lot higher, especially right. uh, on the ground. I know they, and, and this was clearly the game plan, you know, for whatever for whatever it's worth. But they did not want to rely on on him as a runner uh, early in the game. But uh, only fifteen quarterbacks have put up that kind of stat line: two thirty three, fifty and two, uh, ever in NFL history. So, uh, and it, like I said, it could have been even better. Uh, we have to start valuing Taysom Hill much higher than we were. I mean, he was, he's kind of been the punchline of not only the past week, but really the past couple of seasons with fantasy players and, and Saints fans upset when he's taking snaps away from Drew Brees and things like that. But uh, Sean Payton has always told us that he's the next starter after Brees uh, steps away, and, and maybe that comes 
pretty soon. Maybe that comes at the end of this season. The only concern is Hill is going to rely on on the run a lot, I think, especially when it comes to his fantasy production. And he's he's already 30 years old. I know he doesn't have the, the number of carries or he hasn't taken the hits uh, of, compared to some of the other quarterbacks in that same age range. But you look at Cam Newton, who is certainly starting to slow down. I think Cam is 31. Uh, and you just wonder what kind of lifespan Hill has as a starter uh, at that age. In super flex leagues, which we're pretty much talking about right here, he it probably doesn't matter. Even if you look at the contract that he signed with the Saints, it, only a few years. But if you get a few years playing with Elvin Kamara, playing with Michael Thomas, there is the potential for you to really blow up and, and be a big-time fantasy asset Moving forward, Hill completed 18 of 23 passes on Sunday and looked pretty good doing it. You mentioned that they didn't really want to run him on those quarterback powers early in the game, but they got into that part of their playbook as, as time went on in that game, and they they didn't need him to do to do too much on the ground. They, they jumped out to that lead. Uh, once they got that in hand, he ran a few times to, to get first downs when they needed it. I could I could see them doing the whole Tim Tebow thing and, and letting him letting him really run. We could see twenty carries in a game from from Taysom Hill and and man carries with the with the broken scoring that is quarterback scoring in fantasy. It's so valuable, Matt. Two other two other quick thoughts on Hill that I had. Uh, he did have a nice uh, nice co- uh, completion percentage today, but uh, there was a pass early in the, in the first quarter when he had Thomas in the end zone, and 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 it, it, it should have been a touchdown, but he didn't see a linebacker just jump the route, and the linebacker got a hand on it and dropped it. Unfortunately, so uh, against a better passing defense, you know maybe maybe some of those interceptions come up, maybe the turnovers come up a little bit, uh, but uh, you know obviously the rushing is very valuable for fantasy. And then I think we should talk too about uh, his effect on Alvin Kamara. You know traditionally. Even even with guys like Lamar Jackson, we have seen running quarterbacks. While it's good for for running backs from a rushing standpoint, it can be bad from them from a targeting standpoint because instead of targeting that running back, they just take off and run themselves, right? And we saw that today with Alvin Kamara. He had a, you know a decent stat line with 45 yards on the ground and a touchdown, but no catches today. Uh, so uh, we'll have to watch that going forward in terms of how he affects Kamara and the rest of the passing offense. Mm, Kamara got just one target. It was a screen pass that Hill lasered at at the running back, and he couldn't handle yeah. it. And you could tell Kamara was upset about it. You're right; it it did affect Kamara. And there were so many times where you know, watching the game, you get the traditional sideline view, uh, elevated view of the game, and you see Kamara kind of roll out into the flat uh, and wait for the ball, and you know Breeze would just turn and flip it to him, and. Taysom Hill didn't even look that way. He forced balls down the field. He was making those throws, of course, to Michael Thomas and others. But, man, it was it was a, a different offense for sure. We didn't see check down Charlie like Drew Brees has been over the last handful of seasons. On the Atlanta side of things, Julio Jones, 2 for 39, came in and made a big fourth down catch. But hurt his hammy, only came back for one more play, did not look real good. And then Kelvin Ridley... Uh, in his first game back, five catches for 90 yards, Ryan. Anything to add on this game? Yeah, just just a couple of other things. Um, Julio Jones, the injury, and he was in and out of the game, just uh, 22 snaps uh, on the game. And we know how it goes with Julio that those – those injuries seem to linger with him. He tries to play through them, and, and what we get is what we saw today. In and out of the lineup, uh, certainly not fully effective. Uh, so that that's maybe what we could be looking at the next couple of weeks from Julio Jones. That's obviously bad news for him, but good news for Calvin Ridley, who uh, really picked right up where he left off. And then just Michael Thomas, 50, uh, 52% market share with Taysom Hill, uh, 12 targets on the day, and Hill only attempted uh, 23 passes. Yeah, wow, he was a big part of that offense. Like to throw those quick slants to Michael Thomas. Hopefully that keeps up for Thomas managers moving forward. Washington, they beat the Bengals 20-9. to And real, we'll get to the highlights from the game, but there was a big, big, big low light. 
Joe Burrow, torn ACL. He tweeted it. He's out for the year. He'll see us next year. 203 yards and a touchdown before the injury. Also had 12 rushing yards. I think we just got to fast forward with Burrow. Obviously had a great rookie season, Ryan. Uh, going into 2021, where is his value? I think it's still going to be high. Uh, obviously, um, he had moved up for me. I, th- I think I had him at quarterback six and had kind of been debating uh, Burrow versus uh, versus Justin Herbert, who has been as impressive, as, if not more. So for me, that, that becomes a pretty easy decision to flip-flop those two. But that's it. I've still got Burrow ahead of Josh Allen, ahead of uh, Dak Prescott, uh, ahead of Tua for sure. So it... it to me, it'll be a slight value bump, but maybe a buying opportunity. Yeah, for, for those that haven't passed their trade deadline or maybe in a league that does not have a trade deadline, might be a chance to steal him from a contender that was relying on Burrow, specifically in those two quarterback or super flex leagues. If you have an Aaron Rodgers, if you have a Tom Brady uh package Brady or or Rodgers with something to get Burrow right now because he's not going to be very attainable as he gets closer to returning. Uh highlights from the game on the Washington side of things, Antonio Gibson 16 for 94 and a score, also caught a pass, and Terry McLaurin, although he didn't go off, 5 for 84 uh through the air for Washington. Ryan, the running game for Cincinnati, well, Washington's defense has been good. We expected Gio to get a majority of that workload. He did, just nine carries for 18 yards and four catches for 37. Mixon went on, Joe Mixon went on IR this week, but Gio just hasn't really taken advantage. Yeah, had a couple good games early on uh, after Mixon's injury, but the, the past two weeks have been a disappointment for Geo, just the RB26 over those past two games, a total of uh, 48 rushing yards, and really has been outplayed by Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, I saw a lot of uh, people in, in my dynasty leagues and uh, some talk on Twitter about buying Geo as a, uh, a possible starter down the stretch with the Mixon injury. And, you know, maybe he's a flex guy, but I'm not sure if we can count on Bernard in fantasy lineups moving forward. Yeah, he's he's a flex guy at best, it appears. And he just did not, like you said, if Samaj P. Ryan is looking better than you, you are not looking very good, that's for sure. The Denver Broncos outlasted Miami Dolphins 20-13, to and there is really only one story from this game, Matt. It's Tua Tungavaloa, 11 for 20, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Did not look good. But he gets benched? Are you kidding me? I know Ryan Fitzpatrick has been good, but when you go to Tua, you go to Tua and you stick with him. News has been that he will return again next week. He is their starter. He was benched just because they wanted a spark from Fitzpatrick. Man, that's not a way to get get confidence in your young quarterback, Matt. No, it was it was bad. Uh, you know, I, I, like you said, though, I think this is just a bump in the road. Fitzpatrick, he, you know, for 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 us invested in Tua, it was was good for us because he came in and threw an interception, didn't look that great himself, and uh, coming in on on, on short term duty, right? So I, I don't think this is a thing to worry about. Uh, maybe they just wanted to try to win the game and they wanted to change things up. I don't know. Obviously he didn't look great. Uh, just about 50% completion percentage in that first half. So, uh, you know, just stay the course, I think. Yeah. Fitzpatrick came in and had some moments, 12 for 18 for 117 yards, but through that interception on the last pass of the game, really to Devonte Parker, uh, Parker was really good, six for 61 and a really nice touchdown on nine targets. Savan Ahmed for Miami, 12 carries for 43 yards and five catches for 31, so it wasn't a killer. And Melvin Gordon, 15 for 84 and two touchdowns and nearly scored a third but fumbled at the goal line. Ugh, if Gordon could have got that across, that would have really helped me out in one league that I, that I put him in and didn't really want to put him in my starting lineup. Uh, the Chargers, they beat the Jets by 6, 34-28. Justin Herbert was a stud once again, 366-3. Kalen Balage, 16 carries, 44 yards. It was Keenan Allen with 16 catches for 145 yards and a touchdown on 19 carries. Mike Williams also came through, 4 for 72 and a score. But really, Matt, uh, it's, it's all about Keenan Allen. He was the show for that offense. 19 targets in that offense from a good quarterback. He has been balling. 
Yeah, and this is obviously only for for um, non-contending teams because if you're a contender, you want Keenan Allen on your team right now, right? It just seems like him and Justin Herbert uh, have uh, have have already have this rapport that is going to carry you into the playoffs. This is just a quick note on Herbert. It's the seventh straight game with multiple touchdown passes, which is something no other rookie quarterback has ever done. So uh, he's he seems like the real deal. I, I, I'm getting really excited about Herbert. I know he was mine and pretty much everybody else's quarterback three in this class, but but, you know, with the, with with Tua kind of struggling right now, obviously he had a good game last week after struggling in his first game and then a little bit down again. This week getting benched and now Burrow injury, like I think there's a strong case for Herbert that he's the quarterback one in this class right now. Um, so uh, for Keenan Allen, going back to Keenan Allen, I think you can get a very nice price if you are trying to get out if you're not contending. I have myself bought him for uh, just Antonio Gibson basically uh, in a deal uh, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, in the trade finder, there's Antonio Gibson and Deontay Johnson for Keenan Allen just last week. Uh, we talked earlier about uh, Galladay in a second if you wanted to go that way. Christian Kirk in a first. Uh, so there, are, there's good deals to be out, out there to be had for Keenan Allen right now if you're not contending uh, so, and if you want to buy some age discounts. But if you are contending, d- d- don't send him anywhere for, for really anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, he certainly looked good on Sunday. On the other side, there was a receiver – Ryan, that if you look at the box score, you're probably probably happy. Well, Denzel Mims, rookie wide receiver, three catches for 71 yards. He was a deep threat. Yes. But if you look at the targets, eight targets, he he didn't do a lot with those targets, really. Yeah, there's there's been some good with Denzel Mims. He's played four games now. I believe he has led the Jets in receiving in three of those. So obviously good news. Looks like he has... Uh, overtaken both Perriman and Crowder as as the favorite target there. Uh, he's got 26 targets in four games, but he's only caught 13 of those balls. So uh, <laughs> 50% uh, efficiency, not great for a receiver. You know, maybe that's a quarterback situation. Uh, he doesn't have the best situation there, but um, – Maybe it's a head coach uh, situation. Definitely, definitely <laughs> could be that as well. Uh, overall, I think I would be buying Mems uh, just based on this volume and and the opportunity there. Uh, but at least a little concerned about his efficiency. The Cowboys scored late to beat the Vikings, thirty-one to twenty-eight. Andy Dalton, twenty-two of thirty-two, two hundred and three yards and three touchdowns. Zeke, he was good, twenty-one carries for one hundred and three yards. Amari Cooper, he was good. Six catches for 81 yards. CeeDee Lamb was pretty good. Four for 34 and a score. All these weapons, Ryan, for for Dallas, they finally came around. Was it just waiting for Andy Dalton to get back on the horse, get over the COVID, get over everything else, and, and get back on the roster and in the game so these Cowboys could come through for us? I really think that's all it is, yes. And and it doesn't hurt that you're playing one of the worst uh, defenses in the league sure. either, in, in the Vikings. But, um, yeah, we, we knew the struggles that the Cowboys had dealt with with, with – Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert, and and even though Dalton had not been uh, necessarily very good in in his playing time a few weeks ago either, uh, he he's well that that was to be fair to Dalton that was a night game and and he doesn't play well at night he needs a day game he needs the sun to be out for him to play well <laughs> well it which it is weird out. as a redhead right <laughs> yeah sure maybe. <laughs> Uh, it worked out today, and I mean, uh, Zeke had his best game of the year. Uh, Cooper and Lamb both performed well also, as you said, and I, I think this is more in line with what we'll see the rest of the way, which is huge for Dynasty players. Yeah, for sure, and Zeke looked extremely motivated, which wasn't necessarily what you could have said in weeks past. He was He, he lowered his shoulder, was looking for extra yards, after contact also Tony Pollard had a nice game five carries for 60 and a touchdown uh so just all around the Cowboys looked good to be honest all the Vikings guys that we were uh we were expecting big things from they came through as well Kirk Cousins 22 for 30 314 and three touchdowns Adam Thielen caught two of those eight for 123 through the air Justin Jefferson three for 86 and a score as well but Dalvin Cook once again Matt Big-time playmaker, 27 carries, 115 yards, and a score. Also caught all five of his targets for 45 yards. He was carrying dynasty owners. Once again, what are we doing with him moving forward? I know it sounds crazy, 
but I want to sell Dalvin Cook. Here. It does. It does. I know. But let me tell. <laughs> let me tell you why. First, first we have. I mean, maybe maybe it's not a thing anymore. I still think it is. I think Ryan still thinks it's a thing. But we have the. It, it, he's basically a time bob from an injury standpoint, right? He's been relatively healthy this year. Obviously, there was one hit where he came up. Uh, didn't look so good uh, in this game. Uh, but the main reason why I want to go ahead and, and try to get maximum value for for Dalvin Cook is that his upcoming playoff schedule is maybe the worst in the entire league. And, you know, say what you want about putting stock in, in, in matchups and, and base like that. But I, like, I do like to look at them once we get, uh, you know, past week eight, nine, 10, in that range. And that's where we're at right now. So upcoming for Dalvin cook in the playoffs, he has one, he has one more good matchup next week, a great matchup really. Uh, but in the playoffs weeks, 14, he gets the bucks Week 15. He gets the bears week 16. He gets the Saints. All of them are bottom five matchups, uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points again for the running back position. So, uh, you know, I guess you could say he's matchup proof. I don't know. It worries still worries me a little bit. So if I can kind of pivot to somebody who's you know close close in value. Uh, that has a better schedule, I, I, I try to do that. So, for example, I, mean, I was able to move Dalvin Cook for Aaron Jones plus in the trade finder this week, uh, Aaron Jones for a first, second, and third. Uh, the Aaron Jones playoff schedule, by the way, the Lions, the Panther, and Titans, three of the four best schedule-adjusted uh, matchups for running back position. Uh, so uh, Zeke in a 2022 first, Swift and OBJ. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that. I'm not sure about that one. But also I was still surprised to see that the, the Barkley scenario is still on the table. If you are somehow uh, – a dynasty manager that is not competing and you have Dalvin Hook. I don't really know how many of those there are, but Dalvin Cook for Barkley showed up in the trade finder uh, this week uh, uh, a couple of times. So that's the option still seems on to be on board as well, if, whether or not you're a contender. So uh, I, I want to move on if I can get similar value and especially if I can p- pivot to a running back that has uh, a better playoff matchup. The other guy we talked about last week that has an amazing playoff schedule is, is Derrick Henry. So all of those guys I think are kind of in the same range value-wise as Dalvin uh, and don't necessarily come with the same injury risk and don't come with the terrible playoff matchup. Yeah, I don't hate the advice. There's certainly the opportunity, especially if somehow you have Dalvin and you're not looking at a at a playoff team. Uh, at being a playoff team, there might be something to be said there. And, and but but if you are a, one of those playoff teams and you're concerned about the schedule, uh, and and rightfully so, should be concerned about that injury history and the potential for that to crop, prop up its ugly head once again. Delvin Cook could be on the move. Uh, or one of the guys that could be for sure. Uh, the last game we got to talk about here is the Colts and the Packers. The Colts <laughs> took care of them, thirty-four to thirty-one, in overtime. Philip Rivers, two eighty-eight and three touchdowns, one pick. The three scores went to Pittman, Burton, and Doyle. Jonathan Taylor kind of had his coming out party. Ryan, twenty-two carries for ninety yards, also caught four passes for twenty-four. If he would have had a touchdown, this would have been a big, big game. For the rookie running back out of Wisconsin, he didn't though. They rode him at times in this game, especially in the third quarter, Ryan, and he looked pretty good doing it. He had one run where once again he ran into a blocker that that a lot of the doubters or the haters are going to point to and say, "See, he hasn't done it quite right." Lots of nice jump puck, jump cuts, and a real nice burst in this game against a bad rush defense, though. Yeah, I think his his overall game was certainly impressive, and uh, I mean. If nothing else, a big improvement on what we've seen in recent weeks. But again, the story for me was just his usage that uh, even after what we saw from Naheem Hines last week, that Taylor was was treated like the starter in this backfield. And, and that's a good sign. We had a similar conversation with J.K. Dobbins earlier and with DeAndre Swift uh, last week. So hopefully this is the beginning of, of something big for J.T., Hopefully it is. I'm wondering, you guys, you've watched a lot of Jonathan Taylor. What are we thinking? There, there are going to be people out there that say, oh, this is the big game I was waiting for. I got to get out. What can you buy Jonathan Taylor for, Ryan, if you're a believer? And what should you be selling for if you're super worried and thinking this, is, this could be the last chance to get out for maximum value? I don't think he was cheap even before this game, and and he certainly won't be now. So, uh, I mean, to me, we're talking probably two first rounders to buy still. I don't know if I would be buying at that at that price. Maybe it comes down to where those picks are projected, and at this point, we have a have a pretty good idea uh, about that. Uh, but if you're if you're selling, that's certainly what I would be looking for. 
And if you're buying, it feels like if you can, if you're a fringe playoff team, you're going to have a middle first next year. If you can get get him for a first and a second, oh, yeah. that feels like a really good deal. Those are the types of offers that we should be sending out if you believe in JT and his long-term potential. On the other side of things in this game, Aaron Rodgers, he was doing Aaron Rodgers things, 311 yards and three touchdowns, also threw a pick, but looks looked really good, especially when he was throwing it to Devontae Adams, seven Catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. Matt, you mentioned Keenan Allen as a potential sell. Devontae Adams is getting there, up there in age. He's going to be 28 in December. Is he in the same ballpark, or are you going to keep riding him for another couple of years? I mean, I'm biased, so I'm keeping him. I think I'm riding him into the sunset, but I, I could certainly see a, a scenario where I'd want to sell Adams. Uh, I don't think I would personally do it. This is, I mean, even if they bring in a new player, a new receiver next year, which hopefully they do after blowing that in the 2020 draft, uh, you know, it's going to take a while for him to get up to speed. It's going to, even if they bring in a free agent, same thing, and, and Rodgers is going to be there. So I think we, we have at least two good years out of Devontae left. Yeah, and there's a there's certainly the narrative that a a strong receiver on the opposite opposite side of Adams could help yeah. Devontae become even a more reckless big play player down the field rather than just these short uh inter- to intermediate balls that he's that he's catching right now he might get more opportunities down the field if the right player is on the other side Aaron Jones he came through but not in a big way 10 carries 41 yards and a touchdown but caught four passes Robert Tanyan was good once again five catches for 44 and a score as well so that's every game from Thursday through Sunday afternoon guys we've covered them all those are all the biggest things that we're thinking about there's going to be a lot more that is going to be decided on Sunday night football and also Monday night football Uh, for Ryan and Matt I'm Dan this has been the DLF Dynasty podcast we appreciate everybody for listening we'll catch you again next week